So sorry about that, guys. So today, the word of the Lord is going to be coming from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. We're going to read just verses 1 to um, 15 for now, and then we'll do the 16 through 18 towards the end. So if you guys are willing and able, if you will journey with me on over to John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15, and then we'll stand for the reading of God's word. you're there, say hello. If you're not, need more time, say hold up. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Okay. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Thus reads the word of the Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The winds blow where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, look over to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, Neighbor, O neighbor, are you born again? May be seated in the presence of the Lord. So today I want to take us way back, you guys will with me, to... June 13th, Sunday, June 13th, we had a message um, really coming to an understanding of the Bible and the authority and, the, and like the accuracy and all those things of the Word of God. And I want to recap that for you guys today because I, I recall that we said that we would do a part two of that kind of headed where we are. And thankfully, God has put us in a position to be able to do that today. Um, before we do that, let me just pray really quickly. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and the word that you've given us around being born again. God, I pray that you help us really be able to talk with one another, engage, share the word that you've placed in our hearts, Lord God, for us to be receptive, to have open hearts, ears, and minds, to hear your word, and for your spirit to be here within each and every single one of us. We thank you, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. So back from June 13th, you guys in the back can hear me fine? Okay. 
I'm going to try not to use the mic today. <laughs> but back from June 13th, um, we had talked about how we needed to be on the same page about the Bible. Right? So I'm going to just recap that really quickly for us to jump into what we're talking about today. Um, if we're to discuss complex issues, we must separate our thoughts and our feelings about the Bible and truly understand you know, what is rooted in Scripture. We talked about how the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, if we don't believe that, right, then we're not going to trust what's in the Word. We also talked about how Scripture is historically accurate despite all the different manuscripts. There are thousands and thousands of manuscripts, right? Manuscript is just a little piece of the Bible, some stories here and there. But all of those things still agree with one another, right? They'll find it in so many different locations, they all still agree. Um, we also talked about how the Bible is prophecies fulfilled, so especially prophecies over the Messiah, prophecies over Jesus Christ. We talked about how the Bible has eyewitness testimonies. People saw Jesus, they gave their, and, and they gave their lives for the truth. When I say they gave their lives for the truth, people literally died for the message, right? Um, some guy called Pascal always says that, you know, I believe the eyewitnesses that get their throat cut. Meaning that, like, if, if, if you were at a point in time where you were telling a lie and it came to life or death, you would eventually fess up the truth, right? But these people here saw Jesus, they understood what he did, and they knew that this was something very special. Another thing that we talked about was the authority of the Bible, that the Bible is timeless, and that it never fades. We also talked about how the Bible must be understood and read in the proper context. For something to apply to our time, there must be timeless truth across all time, and there must be harmony with other parts of Scripture. I think we spent a lot of time on this part for you guys who were... The, does this sound familiar to what, you guys, what we were talking about some time ago? So there must, when we say timeless truth, the Bible is a book of time, right? Written over thousands of millennia. So what was going on in the beginning of time also has to line up with what was happening later on that was written in the Bible, right? So there must be truth across the Bible. When we say that, for example, John 3.16, which we'll read towards the end of this, God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son. So God loves the world. When we see in the beginning, we go all the way to Genesis, we see that God created the world and he says that God loved the world, right? John was written, you know, in A.D., I believe A.D. 70 plus or so, don't quote me there, but way in the beginning, thousands of years before, there's also this understanding that God loves the world. So there's a timeless truth, right, that God loves the world. And then there's also that there has to be harmony. So harmony in that we look at Genesis and we look at John and we see that both of those things are aligning with one another, right? John's not saying something different that Genesis is saying. There's consistency across that. So we read the Bible in proper context and that's what we have to keep in mind. So then the last thing that we asked, that the question I asked you guys towards the end was, will you stake your life on the Bible? Because you will go through things, some scenarios, some situations in life where you'll be asked to choose. Have you counted the cost of what that means? That might mean not getting a certain promotion. That might mean not getting into a certain program. That might mean ridicule from your peers. That might mean a ton of peer pressure. Will you go through... And will you stake your life on the Bible? Have you really counted the cost? So I hope for you guys who remember that question, you thought it over, you mulled it over, and I pray that the answer is yes. Right? 
So that should then kind of help us on this topic that we are discussing today, and that is very, very sensitive, controversial, whichever you may be, but I say that we don't shy away from any of those things because y'all talking about it somewhere else anyway, right? So we want to be able to make sure that we are in agreement where we give you the biblical view of where things are, and then if you truly have and will stake your life on the Bible, we'll come to a similar understanding, a similar agreement. Is that clear so far? Any questions? Right? So we had mentioned that we were going to be discussing on the LGBTQIA issues. Understood? So this is an area where a lot of people have different feelings about and different thoughts and different ideas. That's why I wanted us to make sure that we are grounded and centered on our understanding of the Bible as the sole truth, and that's where we're going. So my personal thoughts, my personal feelings do not matter, right? And neither do yours. Not what I think, not what you think. What does God think? about this matter. Amen? So, I want to kind of talk about where, first of all, there's some different, there's some different points here that I want to go through. Kind of where, first of all, we as a church have failed a group of LGBTQIA. And I've got a couple of points here that I'll mention, and maybe we'll go into depth in all of them, and then we'll kind of talk about some of the falsehoods and different things like that. So if you're taking notes, my point, my, my points to my point people Point one in that we have failed to treat people who identify as gay or lesbian, bisexual, any, any of them in, in, in the spectrum of sexuality and gender. Um, we fail to treat them as people made in the image of God and are therefore worthy of dig- dig- dignity and honor. Everyone is made in the image of God. Not everyone is a child of God, but everyone is made in the image of God. Of God and is therefore worthy of dignity and honor. A lot of times we as a church have failed to do those things. I say the good and I say the bad. We'll get to the good first a little bit later on. Another one is that we, we have treated like people who identify this way as people who have some sort of disease. Right? That it's some sort of disease and that we don't want to identify with those things. And we've attempted exorcisms. And we've attempted praying the gay away, as some people would say. These are very things that, that these very same people who do not want nothing to do with the church have said about people in the church, of what they've done and their experiences. We have failed by treating homosexuality as the ultimate sin. Indeed, we truly have. And I think if within even our Ghanaian community, that's even heightened even more. There are people who are doing a whole lot of other things that we would rather be okay with than people who are engaging in homosexual sex. Understood? But we need to understand that there is, right, <laughs> that, that there is no greater sin, right? Whether people are engaging in homosexuality or in some other sin, they're all things that God does not approve of. And so we need to reflect and understand things within that spectrum. When we treat it as the ultimate sin, it makes other sins get a free pass where we're not even paying attention. That people are sleeping together without being married, right? Are doing a whole bunch of other things that are also not pleasing to God and, and, and are not holy. So, that's another point. Another point is we fail to listen to those who struggle. We have failed to listen to those who struggle and people who truly love God. It is possible to truly love God 
and struggle with this. It's like we, we've kind of made it this if them versus us type of thing rather than these are people who have struggles that we face as well. We, we are all like struggling in some sort of way sexually, whether that be um, heterosexual or homosexual. There's all struggle in, in, in many ways. All types of sex outside of marriage is not, was not the intention of God for us. Understood? So, we have failed to offer the proper support because we haven't been able to listen to these folks. And then there's the complete opposite, right? So those are the areas where we are failing. And then there are some places where churches have overcorrected. Right? So overcorrected, you've gone way too far in what we're doing and how you're approaching this. And that over, one of, on, so on the extreme end where churches are overcorrected is that we failed... To, to embrace, we've also failed by embracing homosexuality as something that God approves of. In today's day and age, we have gay pastors and we have pastors who are performing weddings for homosexual couples, thereby attempting to redefine marriage. So on one end, it's, we're not going to listen to you and, 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 and hear you out or anything. On the other end, bring it all in and forget what God says within his word and well, let's just keep moving. Understood? Like, both of those are equally wrong. Both of those, those are equally damaging. Both of those do not serve to glorify God. So, we'll kind of talk about some of the ways that we can then address that within our own lives and how we should view this when we go forward, based on what God's Word says. Understanding that God's Word is the truth, right? And I'm simply a messenger to give you the message. So I want to talk about some of the falsehoods as well and the things that we've heard within our society, right, about what, what, the, what society and the culture says about the LGBTQIA plus group. And these are some of the things that probably you guys have heard as well. You guys have probably heard the phrase, love is love, right? And men and women should be allowed to express themselves in whichever way that they want to. One rebuttal and one response to this is that we're not called to love in whatever way that we want. When we look at scripture truly, we're not called to love in whatever way we want as people and consider how dangerous that could be. We're, instead, we're called to love as God wants us to love. For example, if, if I love stealing things, right? Love is love. I'm going on that basis. I love stealing things. I'm going to go steal something and say, hey, that's my way of showing love. If we don't have a standard for what love is, right, then everybody's own definition is kind of what goes, right? That's why we have this whole concept of postmodernism, which is my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. And there's no, and, and, and that truth is, is, is subjective. No, right? Truth is truth. Truth is objective. Understood? So, the next point that you guys have probably heard, the reason why people use for defending LGBTQIA, is that the Bible is an old, antiquated book that was written for people of that time. So, it's not a sin to engage in homosexual sin, right? And then another one that's, that's been made, 
Let me know if you guys haven't heard any of these things. Okay, these are things that I've heard. Maybe there's some other ones that you guys have heard as well. Another one is that the Bible is not clear on the topic. Oh boy, this one, this this one, this one makes my blood boil a little. He says the, the Bible is not clear on the topic, so it's okay to have liberty where the Bible is not clear. And then they say that the Bible verses referring to sexuality, referring to homosexuality, were actually referring to rape and prostitution. So when we say verses within Genesis and we see verses within Leviticus and, all, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah, people have actually gone over to say that the reason why Sodom and Gomorrah were put down was because of rape and prostitution. Now let's go back to what we were talking about earlier around harmony of Scripture and time. If we give them the argument of fine, Sodom and Gomorrah was because of rape and prostitution, we see questions, we see, sorry, not, not questions, we see other, other areas of scripture that also talks about how those who engage in sexual acts with men with other men, women with other men, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So then you've got this contradiction. The two are not working together if our understanding of Sodom and Gomorrah is rape and prostitution. You guys following me? A little bit? So it has to be the same. If we, if we understand 1 Corinthians, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 11 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you, but were washed but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. So that's Corinthians. That's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Now some will say, okay, that's just to the people in, in Corinthians. People, that's just to the people at Corinth. But then no, you'll see something similar in Galatians. Paul writes to the people in Galatia talking about sexuality. Paul writes to the people in Romans talking about sexuality. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. For this reason, God gave them to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So there's consistency that this is one of the things that dishonors God. That when we engage in that dishonors God. The argument about this is solely about rape and prostitution does not hold very well when you look at the, entire, the entirety of the Bible. Understood? So what we learned back in June 13th around the harmony of Scripture, harmony of Scripture shows us and is clear to us that this is something that 100% God is not in favor of. Okay? Now... Let's keep on going. Any questions so far? Okay. You guys learning? All right. So the next point that people usually make is that, well, homosexual sex doesn't harm anybody. It doesn't harm anyone. It's not harmful, right? But, and I'll be very brief on this one because there's another one that I want to get to that's, I think, more important. But this is false, right? Because according to the CDC... 
We're all familiar with who the CDC is now, right? Telling us to wear masks and whatnot. Um, according to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, in 2016, there were about 1.1 million people who had HIV infections. And of those people with HIV infections, 300,000 of them were heterosexuals, 650,000 of them were male-to-male contact. So those who engaged in same-sex um, sex. And then, in tw- and then you think, okay, maybe this is just 2016, it hasn't happened anymore. Then in 2018, about 38,000 people who received an HIV diagnosis, 69 of them were from the LGBTQIA group, while 24% of them were heterosexual. So clearly, guys, this is harmful. The, the notion that, 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 that this isn't harming anybody is just simply not true. And this is from stats that is not from the Bible. This is from the world themselves that tell you that like, people that engage in that are harming themselves. And this is something that, 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 that could kill them. Right? So one thing to keep in mind that if that's ever an argument that people are saying, that, hey, well, let me love who I want to love. It doesn't hurt you. Right? It does, does, doesn't hurt me. None of those things. You see clearly that it is harmful to others, and, 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 and the results of it can be devastating. Now, the third one that I want to be very, very sensitive to, and I want us to be very, very sensitive to because this part is very delicate, is I think I've touched on all of them except this one here, which is that a lot of people will say, well, I was born this way. A lot of people will say, well, I was born this way. I have no desire for the opposite sex. I'm not attracted to women as a man. I'm not attracted to men as a woman. This is where I think we kind of mess up a lot as the church in response, where we then go and say, well, let's go and pray the gay away type of, type of response. And that is destructive. That is not the way that we respond or are to respond. We have to acknowledge that attraction, I acknowledge that yes, attraction is not something that we choose. Understand me clearly. I'm attracted to women. But I didn't sit down there one day and say, hmm, I think I'm going to decide to be attracted to women today. And so if, 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 if that is clear for me in my, in my own experience and many other experiences, I have to acknowledge that there are some people who are, who are, there are some men who are simply not attracted to women. Understood? And they didn't sit there and decide, okay, this is what I'm going to pick or not pick. Right? Is that fair? Could we give them that? And same thing, men, women, same thing. Right? There's got to be that. But one thing that we need to understand, and that's why we read the, the, the chapters, John chapter 3 earlier today about being born again, is that it does not matter how you were born. Regardless of how you were born, you must be born again. We were all born with some sort of deformity around sexuality. The way that our minds are, that, that, that they work, Though, so, yeah, some may be struggling with homosexuality. Others may be struggling with adultery. Others may be struggling with fornication. We all have it all twisted within our heads about this. 
So I give them that. I give them that. Yes, you were perhaps born with it in this way where sin, your sin is this, where your struggle is this, where maybe somebody else's struggle may be alcohol, right? Your sin is this. The person whose sin is alcohol, you're not telling them, yes, you were born with a more incl- you're to be more inclined to be attracted to alcohol, to love alcohol, to drink in, in excess. But you should not drink and drive and you should not do X, Y, and Z. The same thing applies. Yes, you were born with an inclination and a desire for the same sex. But you have to understand that if you are truly, truly, truly committed to the Lord, that it, is, it would behoove you, that it is important, that it is essential to abstain then from sexual acts with the same sex. Does that make sense? Where I'm going there? So I give you that. And, and that's what it means. And how, how can we do that, right? We, th- these are the things that we want. These are the ways that we want to love. So how do we do that? I'm not saying, and the, the answer is not go and love somebody who, you, who, who, who is of the opposite gender, just, just as a, some sort of cover-up or something to, for the world to say, all right, you're good. That's not the direction that we're going in here. But the direction is, will you then abstain to stick by the Lord, to honor God? These are really, really deep, deep questions. Because this gets to some people at their core, because our, our society has told us that if you're not able to express yourself the way that you want sexually, then you're not going to be fulfilled. So then it pains me when, we, when people say that because there are folks who genuinely love the Lord, but they feel incomplete in some sort of way because they're not able to express themselves sexually if they have same-sex attraction or even if they have, they have heterosexual attraction, right? Opposite gender attraction. You're not able to express yourself that way. None of you are. You're unmarried, right? None of you should be. There's a man that said that the most fully human and complete person who ever lived was Jesus Christ. He never married. He was never in a romantic relationship. And he never had sex. And if we say that these things are intrinsic to human fulfillment, we're calling our Savior subhuman. And that was, that was, that was Sam Albury to a group of folks who were debating about the topic of whether to recognize same-sex marriage or not. Our society has told us this thing right here, that you have to be sexually fulfilled in order to be complete in who you are. And that if you aren't fulfilled in that way, then you aren't human. But the thing is, that, that implies that at the core, at the center of our humanity, right, our personhood is our feelings. That at the center of our personhood is our feelings. And that they have to be fulfilled in order for us to be us. Jesus completely challenges that with what I read earlier from Sam Albury. Jesus completely challenges that because Jesus didn't do any of those things, yet he was fully human, fully God. He was 100% human, right? 
So then that really then has to let us know that the, that, that the center of our humanity is not our sexual feelings. That being sexually fulfilled does not make life complete. Ask the married people. Being sexually fulfilled does not make your life complete. A life without fulfillment, like a life without sexual fulfillment is worth living. And our church culture must acknowledge this. Now this lines up with any now just in general, any type of wherever you land on the on the spectrum of sexuality, whether you know, same sex, heterosexual, whichever, singleness, right? This lines up, but our church has to acknowledge that that, that that isn't the end goal of life, right? The purpose of marriage is to point you to the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, and, and that, which is the church. So there's a problem of sexual expression being central to self-identity. The word self-identity we should even have a problem with because Jesus doesn't put the word self in front of identity. Jesus puts the word self in front of denial. It's not our job to come up with our own identity. Rather, it's our job to learn who we are in the light of who God says we are. So I get it. For those who feel that way, I feel in my own way the ways that I want to express myself too, but I'm not able to, right? If we, that's why I say, are we going to count the cost? Have you counted the cost? That's why I say, have you counted the cost? Because perhaps maybe this is a struggle for you. If, or somebody that you know that, that is close to you. These, I know people who are close to me who this is their struggle. They, they are people who genuinely love God and I see it within them. And for that reason, then they decide that they're going to abstain from expressing themselves in that way. There is nothing sinful, be clear, there's nothing sinful about being attracted to the same sex. There's a difference between attracting attraction and acting upon that, that, that attraction. The acting piece is what's concerning because we all have day-to-day think of many ways. Our lust has been like shaped, shaped in so many ways, whether it's for the same sex or for opposite sex. They're both problematic, right? So on that, on that token, it's not sinful for somebody who, who is same-sex attracted. But for that person who is same-sex attracted, will they have the self-control? Will they be born again? Right? Will they be born again to put their hope in Jesus and know that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment for their lives? I say that as if it's something simple. No, it's probably the hardest thing. And that probably requires them to, to get up each and every single day and bear up their cross. And some of them are doing this the same way we are required in our own ways to get up each and every single day and pick up our cross and follow Jesus. Pick up our cross and follow the Lord day by day and say, God, how do you want me to, to live today? How do you want me to move today? How can I glorify you today? Will we do that? Will we spend our days trying to determine how, how it is? Like, what, what, what does God say we are? Who does God say we are? And when we know that, are we asking the Holy Spirit to help us to live in that way? I'll continue on just to, to close, you know, talking about how 
just the rest of that verse that we were talking about, being born again, Nicodemus asking the questions of, how can I do those things? How can I be born again? Well, Jesus was really, was really telling them that, you know, you need to be saved, right? You need the Holy Spirit's help to do these things. Yes, I understand you were born a certain way. I, too, was, a bo- was born a certain way in this world with my own sin, right? God is not the... Is, is not the he's, I need to be careful how I say this because God is sovereign over all things, right? God knows what you're going to be prone to, right? But the Bible makes it clear to us in Romans that because we, t- we decided not to honor God, God gave us over to our sin. And that's for each and every single one of us. And that's in Romans chapter 1, the one that we read earlier, verses 26 to 27. Read the whole chapter when you get a chance. But we all know the truth about God. Deep down, we know the truth about God. And because we chose not to follow the, the, the truth about God, God gives us up over to different sins that we have. Somebody's thing may be stealing. Their eyes, when they see something, they want to take it. Somebody's thing may be, may be alcohol, like I said. I know what mine is. Do you know what yours is? Right? And then if, if you know what it is, are you going to say, all right, God, this is what I want to do, but I want to honor you. And so help me to be able to live my life in a way that is honoring to you. Or will we say simply, I just want to love the way that I want to love and go about my business. I don't need God. If we go that route, we've gone what Romans 1 was teaching us earlier. So I'll read back in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, and we'll wrap this up. John chapter 3, verse 16. John three sixteen. You guys all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Beloved, without our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we would have no way, no opportunity of being freed from our sin. So whatever proclivities you you may have, tendencies that you may have, sinfully know that you're not in it alone know that over 2,000 years ago God the Father sends his son Jesus Christ to show us how to live and what we see in the verse 13 that the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life do you believe in this Jesus we're talking about you put your hope and your trust in Jesus knowing that he paved the way for you. That whatever, there's, not, there's no sin too great for God to wash away. Back in the day, they used to have to, you know, lambs and all those things and slaughter lambs and all, and, and all of that. Jesus said that he paid the price for us once and for all. Our past sins, current sins, future sins, all of them washed away by the blood of Jesus. Or will we accept him?
I ask that if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, that, 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 that you do so. That you really sit with him and you ask God, like, show who you are to me. But if we go with a prideful heart, we will never really get that. Allow yourself a chance to get to know this Savior who has changed my life and I believe many of your lives as well. And it doesn't matter what situation you're going through, what your tendencies may be sinfully, Christ is always there, always good, to be able to carry you through that. We each have a cross to bear. The question is, will you pick up that cross today and move? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just allowing us to discuss your word today. Lord God, I pray for every heart and mind here that we are all born again, Lord. That despite how we feel that we are and how we want to respond to the things that are in this world, Lord God, you help us recognize that we are born again and that we can live our lives in a way that is good and honoring to you. God, we thank you so much for the message today. I ask that it permeates each and every single heart. We're all struggling in some sort of way, Lord, I myself. And we just ask of you to help us to understand you, to know truth, and to stick by you, Lord God. May we never be ashamed of your gospel and what we've learned from here today, Lord God. There is a lot of things that go on in this world that are fighting against your word. God, will you help us to hold this truth within our hearts? Will you help us to, to, to learn and stay by your side despite all the things that we go through? Will you help us to stake our lives on your word? We thank you, Lord God, with this in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen.